Vesmir Sky Highness Il mondo Tata Dima Potato You're listening to The World at Your Fingertips Welcome back to The World at Your Fingertips (laughs) (laughs) We're so annoying (laughs) We tried, okay, we've tried to make it more interesting and failed it's not as I just don't understand how people can keep it so interesting I guess that's like why everyone has the the YouTube intros that we take the piss out of like hi guys and welcome back to my channel because it's a way to start it <laughs> yeah but then that's essentially us but in podcast yeah. edition like, hi guys welcome back, welcome to, back to our podcast uh, <laughs> lovely to see you ironically we can't actually see you but I hope you listen good what? <laughs> success oh gosh oh gosh oh god oh jeez. how are you kate i'm good thank you molly how are you yeah good this is our first episode in a couple that we have not been together recording oh god God, (laughs) (laughs) we are back to our well actually no we're not back to our respective houses you're not at home where are you kate i'm in northumberland i must say the climate up here is much more suited to me it really isn't quite cold it's a little bit rainy it's warm cold you know when okay. you can just wear a t-shirt, but you're not sweating? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I we went mean, to the beach, and it was like, the water was warm enough to walk in. Oh, it just felt good. I just oh, love nice. proper British weather. What is the sunny stuff? If I wanted yeah. sun, I'd go to France. <laughs> <laughs> or not at the moment. Yeah. Oh. Quarantine. Ah. <laughs> I actually have quite a sad story about my cousin. So, I mean, this episode's going to come out a few weeks after this has all happened, but you'll be aware of the events where basically every week England is announcing new countries that are going on to two-week quarantine for the British people that are there. My cousin flew to Amsterdam on Thursday night and literally landed in Amsterdam to news of the announcement that at 4am on Saturday, the Netherlands were the next country that was going into the two-week quarantine group. No. Yeah. She voice noted me and was like, I've spent the same amount as if I was going to fly to Bali. Oh, God. I was like, oh, my God. So, But then I know other people who are literally in Amsterdam at the moment just chilling. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to quarantine for two weeks when I get back. Yeah, just don't travel. We do, we do not endorse travelling, even though we talk about it frequently. Even though I am a traveller. Do not travel. <laughs> <laughs> that was a word. That was really... I, didn't, I wasn't expecting it, and that I appreciated it. That was such a bad joke. <laughs> that went on a tangent, just on Rona ruining lives yet again. So we're actually going to talk about something else now. Actually, no, we, uh, we should talk about what we're drinking first. Oh yeah, because we're recording once again in the early morning, I have a delicious coffee, although Ooh. we're at Bobby's family's house, and they have some delish, like, Colombian roast exotic coffee, and I'm living my best life, just Ooh, sponging delish. off the family. <laughs> yeah, amazing. What about you, nice. Molly, what are you drinking? I'm, well, yeah, like you say, early morning, it's also a Sunday, which is uh, yeah. sad, but... Early morning, so I'm on my second espresso because last night I ended up staying up later than intended. I watched Knives Out last night for the first time. Great film, Ooh, if you I haven't seen it. it. It's on Amazon yeah. Prime, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then I got home. I thought I'd just stick something on before I go to bed. And thought, okay, I'm going to continue watching season two of Downton Abbey. Oh, love life. <sighs> or rewatching. And I ended up watching 
more episodes than intended but is that a, such a like that that season so much shit goes on in yeah. season two world war one yeah. yeah and um, yeah for people who don't know both kate and i are downton fans i would mm. even say stans like big yeah. <laughs> downton stans and what exciting lives we, we, we <laughs> really do <laughs> but now i literally can't stop watching it so i've i've even like sidelined gilmore girls which i need to get back on because i'm re-watching downton so to be fair, i feel like i just plow through things like gilmore girls i've already watched so many times so yeah, my dad to... dubby what yeah. am i on now lie to me great tim roth show. oh yeah 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 nice absolutely so. sick show and uh, Harry Potter, of course, is back again. <laughs> Harry Potter never leaves. I'm <laughs> not yeah. being funny, but Harry Potter is always there. <laughs> but this is the film, so I'm off the audiobooks and onto the films. Oh, you're onto the oh, Nice, okay, cool, cool. So, this week we're talking about film education and basically just educating filmmakers and what that entails and what expectations that brings as well for students who are seeking to go into film and perhaps different myths or different routes that people can take and um, basically breaking them down on whether they're worth it or not not that we can i mean we have some relatively good experience in terms of all three of us so us two and our guests this week have all had some sort of education in film in the last three years so I yeah. think that we've, I argue we, at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, as in like we've had something filmmaking related yeah, I don't feel in like, our education. Yeah, I just feel like I don't really have a film education the same way you guys do. I feel like I did like this master's is a media course, but it's not a film. They don't teach you about film. They teach you about global media trends in which then I apply to film, if that makes sense. So it's not like a right, okay. film education, I feel. Yeah. In yeah, terms just, of like having practical filmmaking, you yourself embedded practical filmmaking into your course, yeah, right? Yeah, that's sorry, that sounds so big headed, but I just mean like because apart from slightly in my English literature degree, been taught analysis of films in the same way, and like in terms of like shots and in terms of film structure, I feel like that's what I learned from practically doing rather than a film education, which is obviously film schools half and half. That's something I think is going to be interesting to talk about as well about how much you actually learn on jobs or or doing it yourself outside of education and whether actually going to film school is even necessary i'm sure you guys know by now that we both went to the university of southampton which is not a film school so we didn't study film well i did a film degree but i didn't study filmmaking at a film school it's a very theory-based film degree which i really enjoyed but it is more like a english literature degree rather than an actual filmmaking degree because you're essentially analyzing films and trends and theories and psychoanalytical frameworks stuff like that so it, they're like very different so i think it's interesting to look more closely at people's decisions when they're going towards a filmmaking career or aspiring towards a filmmaking career and like what choices they make in terms of whether they go to film school whether they go to university whether they do something else entirely which lots of directors have done yeah so i found a really interesting article and it's called 10 reasons not to go to film school and why is film school worth it and it's by the founder of no film school which is a worldwide community of filmmakers video producers and independent creatives who basically whether they went to film school or not they're there to 
forge sustainable creative careers in a rapidly changing world. So I feel like for me, no film school as a website is more famous than most film schools to me. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's completely unique in that the whole point of it is that it's accessible for people who, well, whether they want to go to film school or not, is accessible with lots of different ways of learning about film and filmmaking, which essentially is kind of in the place of actually going to film school. But people do, people do both, obviously, and that's the point is that you can access it no matter who you are or where you've gone to school or whatever. So Ryan Key, who is the founder, I think I've understood this right. This article is a chapter in a new book called Film School, A Practical Guide to an Impractical Decision, which I think is kind of a misnomer because the book is about how to get into film school and it's like gives advice on applications and funding and stuff like that. But it says an impractical decision. So is that impractical and that like what does it mean by impractical? I feel like it means impractical as in like the value of film education. Impractical well, yeah, in but... terms of not being a doctor or not being a lawyer or I suppose yeah, I suppose. So Jason B. Cole, who's the author of the book, he gives ten reasons why you should go to film school. So this chapter gives 10 reasons why you shouldn't. And, you know, Ryan Q outlines that no film school is not against the concept of it, but not everyone has geographical access or financial access to go to film school. And they want to be able to allow people to access filmmaking information and make it available for everyone. So he gives 10 reasons and they're all quite compelling. Number one is it's never been more expensive to go to film school and it has never been cheaper to make a movie, uh, which I think I can agree with film school is extremely expensive and then also if you guys have listened to our no budget filmmaking episode with ben hughes you'll know that it has never been cheaper to make a movie and if you listen to that episode you'll find out why uh, <laughs> just give a cheeky plug there but um <laughs> many other famous filmmakers didn't go to film school uh, tarantino richard linklater paul thomas anderson like so many really famous filmmakers didn't go to film school but then he also refers to the ones that did saying uh, so people like Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola the reason why they went to film school back in the day was for access to expensive equipment which actually these days is more accessible even if you've got a phone you can make a film yeah, so technology's advanced a lot and that yeah it's completely different and you know and also the equipment back then like celluloid equipment was so much more expensive than digital equipment is now. I mean, celluloid equipment now is still ridiculously expensive. Like, well, yeah, if you absolutely. shoot an actual film, anything that's not digital just ramps up the amount of money. Like, loads yeah. of filmmakers still do it because of like the look and feel of actually shooting with film. But I feel like that's a reason. The other way is now to shoot with film to go to film school. You have access to the older, more expensive equipment. Yeah. For like yeah. authentic but that's the thing I have against film school in my mind is I feel like it loses a sense of authenticity to some of the projects that people make because it's in a film school environment sorry this is my prejudice is coming through but they judge you based on whether you've read every single book in the world whether you've watched every single film in the world rather than on the authenticity of the message and story you're trying to say sometimes and I think that can really shut you down and make it inaccessible for people and make people lose confidence in something that should be fun and expressive and enjoyable. And I think yeah. a lot of the people I've met who's gone to film school just basically want to show that they've read more books than you, that 
they're more of a film snob than you. And for me, filmmaking isn't about what I've read or what I've done. It's what I want to say or what I want to help other people say. And that's why more important than if I've shot it on 30mm film as opposed to my iPhone. And to me, that doesn't really matter because it's about the story. But I just feel a lot of the time people I meet from film school just want to show that they're better than you because they've received a certain type of education, which makes sense because you paid for it and you want to show it off. But sometimes yeah. I'm just like, are you actually conducive to the film industry or are you just trying to prove that you're better than other people? So this is how I think film education has actually changed because I think back in the days of like Martin Scorsese going to film school, being a film intellectual was very important in terms of knowing about the industry, knowing about different, like being an avid film watcher and having a really good knowledge of exclusively of the film and cinema industry, like in Hollywood and international. It was so much international. smaller then, wasn't it? Of course, yeah. yeah. And so I think not only has the industry grown, but the sort of the ways in which films are produced and the reasons why films are produced and the different functions of film have completely changed. The different avenues of filmmaking these days are just infinite. Yeah. I, I sound so negative towards film school. Like, I, I literally only know Julian. He's gone to one and he is lovely and one of our best friends. So, like, this is not a reflection on Julian at all. But I think this idea of privileging filmmakers who went to film school have some superior knowledge just feeds in a lot of the time to this old boys club of filmmaking. Well, we know that the film industry is a very male-dominated place as well. Yeah, I think it just adds to... It creates an elitism that is often male-dominated as well on top of mm. that. And I think film school yeah. really feeds into that idea of superiority of idea and superiority of skill that isn't necessarily true and I think isn't necessarily conducive to broadening the experiences represented in the film industry because only if you're of a certain class financial income can you make it to film school so it is just a narrowing and another narrowing and I don't think that sort of elitism is necessarily what I want from a film industry I'd rather have breadth of experience shown and breadth of ideas than how much they know about previous white male dominated film industry films obviously they're beautiful and there's so many filmmakers which I think just for your own personal development you should watch and have that experience but it doesn't necessarily you don't have to have it is what I'm trying to say in order to make good films and have a place in the film industry in my mind film film school is associated with this elitism it makes the film industry inaccessible to so many people I just don't want to sound like a like I hate everyone who's gone to film school because I really don't and I think everyone has their place but I think sometimes it can be a hostile environment which I think this classic style of film education doesn't necessarily help to overcome. Yeah definitely. This is going to be really interesting to talk to with our guest this week Julian who has both been to film school and done a university degree and master's in film studies so we'll get chatting to him. Hey Julian! Hey Molly. Hey <laughs> Julian. Hey Kate. Hi Julian, I'm here too. <laughs> Hello Molly and Kate. That was like Molly, Julian, Kate. <laughs> yeah, donkey. <laughs> Speaking of uh, iconic bits of cinema, Shrek. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it is yeah. a iconic. Like iconic. people who say Shrek is not iconic, I don't know what they're talking about. 
Yeah, yeah. no taste can't relate. at all. <sighs> well, you can't just... relate, Molly. Shrek is. Wait, no, is and I can't relate to the people that say oh. they don't. Sorry, I that you just came. Said Shrek yeah. was not iconic. No, I was like, oh, sorry. Why cannot doing? relate to the people who don't think it's great. Because yeah, mm. they're wrong, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to get it in my opinion in there because I just had a massive rant about how film is subjective. So I yeah. can't be like, they're factually wrong. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Know. I'd say that about Shrek. Julian, how are you? I'm very good. It's Sunday. Uh, Sunday. It's uh, beautiful. I'm in my uh, onesie right now. No, that's, that's, that's not a onesie. That's a half onesie. I'm going to call it like that. Or trousers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I am in my Sunday half onesie trousers, and it's great. <laughs> Julian, what are you drinking? Well, I had, right before the conversation, a delicious Americano coffee with oat milk, but right now I switched to beer. I'm having a San Miguel. What? It is 10 a.m., Julian. <laughs> well, what do you want me to drink then? Absolute vodka? Oh my god, you're a maniac. <laughs> you are the first person who has had an alcoholic drink before midday on our podcast. Well, I figured, you know, impressive. like, it's, it's all about traditions, isn't it? So, yeah, that's my alcohol for today. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I respect that. Love it. You want to give um, everyone listening a bit of background on you, Julian? Just everything? Film education, obviously, is what we're speaking about. So just everything. Okay, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. So I was 16 years old when I knew that I wanted to make movies. I didn't know what to do. I wasn't a good self-learner. I knew that I needed a school, but I knew that I wanted to learn the American way. Because at the time, when I was 16 years old, it was the, the movies of the new Hollywood. It was Spielberg, Peter Bogdanovich, William Friedkin, George Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola, Sidney Lumet. I mean, okay, this guy is not really the new Hollywood, but basically that American trope of filmmakers is what inspired me to tell stories. And I thought, you know what, if I learn in America, then yeah, that will work. So I didn't know how to proceed with getting into an American film school, so I decided to do a year abroad in the United States, not only to learn English and to be able to be fluent, but also because I just wanted to prospect for the right film school or the right filmmaking college, so a filmmaking degree in, in a college in America. And what happened is I realized that it was way too expensive, basically. <laughs> like, impossible for a European person to afford that, because I don't believe America has anything like international loans, like allowing Europeans to grab American loans to allow them to indebt themselves to the American college, basically. So I had a plan B that I figured out with my host dad when I was in America, which was to find a sort of American vibe film school in Europe. And my call was answered, and I found this private film school in Czech Republic called the Prague Film School. Now, I need to specify for, for whoever is going to be listening to this podcast, it's not the FAMU. Prague has, in like the main national film school, which is uh, the FAMU, which is an excellent program, one of the best in the world, but it's very much catered to Czech citizens. It's not really... there, there is an international program, but from what I heard, it's not necessarily the greatest to learn. To make films. And then there was this other film school which was amazing, which was this American vibe, this art house American way of learning to make films, but within a European context, and that's where I wanted to go. Now, that said, I was able to afford that thanks to my wonderful parents, but that film school was not necessarily cheap, and that's something that we need to talk about in the conversation later, but that's where I learned to make films. I learned to make films in Prague Film School, there were classes, workshops, 
masterclasses, Czech filmmakers coming to teach us. We even had Jerzy Menzel, Academy Award winner, uh, tell us about a beautiful movie called Closely Watched Trains. So, you know, the school was absolutely fantastic and I cherished my two years there deeply. I was with fellow classmates, which were really wonderful, and I had the time of my life, really. And so, yeah, it was two years. The first year, you have all the classes, but they're all surrounding the main project, which is to make short films. So you start with a one-minute short film, then you do a two-minute short film, then a five, then a spec commercial or a music video, and then you have the main 15-minute short film in such a way that you're thrown into this world of filmmaking and doing mistakes within a safe bubble, and all the mistakes and everything you learn at the end that should inform you into doing the best film you can for your 15-minute project, which is the normal length of a short film, really. The second year is more catered to make longer projects, so it was more about resilience and endurance, I think. Still with like all the classes and everything, but the idea was to do a 30-minute project, so not something that is catered necessarily to film festivals, specifically short film festivals, but something that would maybe teach you how much energy and discipline you require in order to make bigger project, let's say, a feature film. After those two years, it's a long journey, I'm, I think I'm 20 by the time I finished that education. But after those two years, I figured in my philosophy of filmmaking, everything was circling around screenwriting. Everything was based on the story. It was all about nailing the screenplay. If you could nail the screenplay, then everything else would be nailed. Or at least, if something was wrong in the filmmaking process, the story would still be powerful and potent enough that the technical issues would not harm the storytelling. And I thought, okay, that means that I need to write better, and a film school is not necessarily a best place to learn to write better. It may be a good place to learn how to make films, but not necessarily to write. So I decided to go, on the advice of one of my teachers, to England, to university. And that's where I applied to the University of Southampton. And Southampton accepted me based on my high school grades, and I assume perhaps the Prague Film School portfolio and certificate. And uh, I got into the bachelor's degree of film, and then it wasn't enough. I still wanted one more thing to complete a broad understanding of the whole filmmaking landscape, which was the master's degree of film and cultural management. And after that, I thought, okay, you know what, I'm ready. <laughs> I finished my film education. So, yeah, it, it was a long journey of, of education. And I thank God and I thank my parents that I had, that they gave me the opportunity to take the time to learn where I wanted to be and what I needed to learn. And I got to do it. But yeah, if reflecting on this journey, it's not necessarily doable for everybody. But yeah. I loved every single minute of it. So I have a question about going back to what you said when you came to university in Southampton. You said that one of your film school teachers recommended that you do that. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Like After you've done your two years at film school, I think it's really interesting that he or she then said to educate yourself more but through a degree rather than a film school qualification when actually a lot of people I think would say that going to film school is more of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Something that is more legitimate understanding of film <laughs> it would be going to film school rather than doing a degree. Why do you think that they recommended you to do that? Well, here's the thing. Maybe the institution of film schools is really throwing a misconception about film industry and filmmaking and getting in the film industry, which is making people and aspiring filmmakers believe that it's the legitimate way. There isn't such a thing 
as a legitimate way to get into the film industry. In fact, most ways to get into the film industry are pretty illegitimate. That's how you know that they're the ones to go through. So obviously that, you know, those two years you say were very important to you and important to what you learned about film mm -hmm. and about filmmaking. So how do you then think that going to university furthered that or, you know, helped you get a broader knowledge? The university did not necessarily further the technical knowledge that I learned in film school. The technical knowledge, everything from pre-production to post-production, film school is definitely my essence. And then it was continued with, you know, Susu TV, Wessex Films and the, the filmmaking lovers from Southampton, you know, from the bunch that we know. The motivation to go to university was more writing discipline. It was more about using academic tools in order to perform better storytelling. That was the idea in my brain. I don't know how I justify that like logic, but it's what motivated me to go to uni. But when it comes to the advice that my teacher gave me, his name is Yanis Lampru, by the way. He was my sound teacher. And the guy, like I remember, we were like pretty good friends because that's how intimate the relationship between teachers and students could be. And I remember we went to the restaurant pub called Propaganda right behind the film school. And we had beer, cigarettes, alcohol, and like, and we talked because we love talking about films. I had the best conversation about film with him, a guy unapologetic of storytelling and who loved John Carpenter, which was amazing as well. And so we had a talk. He was like, where do you see a future, Julian? Because like, it's... Film school is one thing, but where do you see your future as a storyteller? Not just as a film professional, as a storyteller. And I was, I don't know, but I have a feeling this is not in Czech Republic. I don't think it is in Prague. And he was like saying that he agreed. Because what you have in Prague is an expat community. And these guys, you know, it's uh, they created for themselves, you know, some form of community, of creative community, whether it's filmmaking or theater. And that's great in itself. But it's not, the way I looked at it back in film school, back when I was 20 years old, it felt very ostracized. It felt very much like that community of English-speaking people were not necessarily dealing with the reality of an actual film industry. They were not necessarily dealing with what Czech Republic was doing because the film jobs were going to the Czech people. But yeah, so he was talking, I was like, your storytelling will not be improving if you stay in Czech Republic as an expat. And I was, you know what, that's true because one part that actually kills the discipline of the film students at Prague Film School was the partying. The partying in Czech Republic is so good. <laughs> the life in Prague is so good that you forget. I told him, oh my God, it's like that donkey island in Pinocchio. Like every <laughs> what a comparison. Everybody is like, if you stay too long and smoke too much and drink too much and play pool too much, you're going to become an ass. That's basically, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's basically, that's how I felt. I felt myself, I think I had a dream when I was becoming a, a donkey, actually, like that night after talking to him. <laughs> And I was, oh my God, okay, I, I need to figure something out. And when we talked about what's the best film industry in the world, when it comes to connections, when it comes to possibilities of trying different things, he was telling me, United Kingdom, England, by the fact that it has the BFI, England, by the fact that it has this creative system, the fact that it has its connection to America, but also to the European scene of filmmaking, that's where you want to go, he was telling me. So the dream from there was, how do I reach London? 
And I knew that I wouldn't be able to reach London without the university. And I knew that I wanted to go to university. Also, I needed the academic discipline for my storytelling. I knew that I needed that. I don't know how to explain it. It was a bit of a gut feeling as well. But that's what led to filmmaking and then uni, rather than uni and then filmmaking. I started with filmmaking at film school because I wanted to make sure that it was the path that I wanted to go in into this world. And then I wanted uni because I needed the knowledge and I needed the tools required to become the better writer. Yeah, I'm still writing. I'm much slower than my peers, than my British peers, but I'm still writing. And I'm doing it in a way that actually fulfills that philosophy of mine. And I'm very happy about it. So to me, yeah, that was a win-win. That was such a great story. Like, even yeah, though we know it. you, I was literally like, I I just love the way you speak, Julian. Even in the way you've just explained that, I can feel how good of a storyteller you are already. Like, Yeah, definitely. Through the way you, you explain the story of your own history. Um, Aww. <laughs> but yeah, it's super interesting that you sort of outlined it as Prague in film school is where you got your technical ability. In Southampton's during your bachelor's is where you got your storytelling development. And then your master's in film and cultural management is where you got the more expansive understanding of like the cultural context of film. Is that right? Yeah. The cultural legitimization. How do you legitimize a film, you know, through the culture in place? Absolutely. Like, God bless Ruby Chung, really. Like, <laughs> it, it's a great program. Things to solve, obviously, especially when it comes to the practical part of it, but definitely... Whoever is going to Southampton, I would recommend doing that master's degree if they're fascinated about filmmaking. By the way, I want to specify, you, you said that uh, I learned in BA the storytelling side. It's not necessarily storytelling, it's more structure. Yeah. Structure of information. It's interesting, how to structure a plot is, to me, not that different from how to structure an academic essay. Mm. You know, in the sense that... If storytelling is about searching a certain truth about yourself or about something that you're really deeply passionate about, then it's about digging as deep as possible within like an hour and a half of film into the argument that you're trying to explore. Your story is contextualized by an argument. And that's what we do in, in a humanities degree, right? It's about philosophically speaking, using tools and information to dig deep into an argument. So that's the bit that I needed because film school I mean, in the more leisurely context of Czech Republic and Prague, when discipline towards understanding and digging deep into the... Like, that was the part that was missing from all of us, I think, in film school. We had everything to make good films, technically speaking, but we didn't necessarily have a good understanding of how to dig deep into a narrative argument. That's a part that I was missing from the storytelling classes, specifically screenwriting. I had great screenwriting teachers, but I was not feeling that I had the support when it comes to how do you dig deep into an argument and how does that argument or theme transform into a character's motivations, transform into a descriptive element for a plot or a story. So yeah, the, the BA was that. It's how do you dig deep and don't let it go. That's what a uni degree does. It pushes your brain to go towards the truth as deep as possible. Wow. <laughs> I literally just sat here like... <gasps> I'm literally like, wow, you've just made me get so much more. <laughs> <laughs> Cracks open another beer. <laughs> no, no, that's that's the first one. I haven't started. Oh, yeah. it's, still, <laughs> it's still 11 in the morning. <laughs> that was like such a great nugget of wisdom and then cracks open a cold one. Like, oh. yeah. <laughs> what I want to know, Julian, is in terms of categorising yourself, would you categorise yourself as a filmmaker? 
Oof. At the moment, I'm less of a filmmaker than you are and Molly is or Ben uh, because you guys are intently actually producing. Mm. I'm not there yet. I think I am I'm a bit behind when it comes to that. I still consider myself a filmmaker for sure, but I'm more of a supportive entity now for people that I deeply love and want to succeed in making their own things. But I would say at the moment, as I am like working for Landsgate, I would say I'm more of a film technician, which is not really true. I'm more of a film apprentice. <laughs> but if I had to categorize myself, I would say screenwriter at the moment. So will you say like your time in film school was the time in which you felt most like you yourself as a filmmaker? Yes, 100%. I haven't done proper films of mine since film school. I spend most time actually, and that's going back to the subject of the film education, I spend most of my time in uni actually trying to teach and educate people about filmmaking. Yeah, because I remember going to Wessex Films the first time and you, you were the one as president giving, giving a lecture. You know, yeah, what a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like, you, what I'm trying to basically get at is do you think it was the environment that made you feel more like a filmmaker or do you think you could be equally as much of a filmmaker in both environments or it was film school specifically that was pushing you to be a creator rather than, like, because it was less self-motivated, like you had assignments mm. to make films. How did that make you feel like in terms of authenticity or like legitimacy in terms of, filmmaking when you're not being told to or do you have any opinions on that? Well that's the interesting thing. I definitely needed the context to get started. I definitely needed someone to push me to grab a camera and go shoot something. I needed that. I started writing, right? Everything stems from writing for me. So I had stories, I had like ideas that I've been compiling since I was 16 years old. But I never touch a camera. <laughs> you know, photography and filmmaking really were born for me that passion and also editing as well all of that was born in film school so yes as an individual to me that was necessary but leaving film school now and knowing that I could have totally learned how to make films without a film school I'm thinking oh yeah maybe I didn't know uh, I didn't need that maybe it would have taken longer for me to know how to make them properly but maybe I didn't need a film school what I would say is a film school if you apply yourself properly I would call it a catalyst. It's an acceleration of learning. You do mistakes faster and you learn faster than if you are learning on your own, I think. Again, it truly depends on the individual. The, the nature and the identity of who you are really defines whether a film school is good for you or not, other than the wallet as well. Yeah, let's go into that now. So like in terms of, obviously we know film school is extremely expensive. You mentioned it in America, but even in like mainland Europe, it's ridiculously mm. expensive and the UK yeah. is expensive. Like we sort of discussed it in the intro, how for me that sort of just helps to perpetuate this idea of elitism that is very much mm. in the film industry because only a certain class of people can make it into film school. And that's like as yeah. the authority to entering the film industry after that. A hundred percent. Like, I, I think that's problematic because film schools are wonderful creative spaces, but the fact that you're enabling people who can afford it, or in my case, in the case of many people, where mommy and daddy can afford it, uh, yeah, you, you're enabling this thing. It's nepotism, but at the level of film school, which is even more silly than nepotism at the level of a film job. And, like, it's, it's very interesting because 
I'm, I'm going to talk about two things here to, to continue on that subject of the money and why I think it's the main reason why I think you shouldn't go to film school. When I was in Prague, I remember like definitely in summer, there would be a period of time where we'd be, you know, editing our films, specifically the last one. That would be April, May. So it's beautiful in Prague. After editing for eight or nine hours, uh, you would go out and you have a beer by the river, the Vltava, with your friends. And the Vltava has this wonderful series of pubs by the, on the pier. So you would drink there and you would chill there. And uh, I was meeting up a group of friends. And very interestingly, the group was half made of people whose mom and dads paid for the film school and half where they worked their ass off to get the money in order to get in film school. And I will forever remember that. The conversation was so interesting because it, it made me realize my own privilege. It's the moment where I understood that privilege, as great as it is for the people who have it, it's really, 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 really bad. <laughs> it's, it's just not giving you an idea of... Uh, when you have no privilege, you must struggle so much to get to something and so that gives you an idea like these guys that I was talking to they gave me an idea an understanding of how much you must be disciplined and hard-working you know to actually make it and I thought to myself my god I'm never gonna make it because I never had that background and the people my friends who are privileged as well will never make it make it unless they have this realization as well that's the moment where I thought film school should be free for everybody and that's where it's interesting to look at film education in the United Kingdom. Because film education in the United Kingdom, like you have to remember, let's use the example of Roger Deakins. Roger Deakins uh, did film school. He went to film school back in the, in the 60s, I think, when the NFTS was born. But you have to understand, the NFTS at that time, back in the 60s, I don't think you had to pay. You would go in and it was very much an experimental ground. And according to Roger Deakins, the money spent on a project, on a budget, on training the students was the budget of training a RAF pilot or something like that. So the state was spending money for the students rather than the students paying to get the education. It's this thing where film education follows the same rules as universities and college that consider themselves public where you pay more and the value of your degree becomes less. And because the film school and the filmmaking education follows that rule, now that capitalistic rule, that's why I think you shouldn't actually go to film school. That's why I think you should self-learn. I think you should find a community of people who have cameras and material and start making films on your own. You shouldn't go on film school. You shouldn't have to spend money. It's interesting you say that, actually, because in this article that I was talking about earlier, about the 10 reasons not to go to film school, by Ryan Key, the founder of No Film School, he says that the internet has disrupted the laundry list of previously irreproachable institutions and specialised schools, yeah. including film schools, as yeah. prime examples, and says that we're living in an age where digital tools have drastically lowered the costs of shooting, editing, distributing movies, and they've democratised the ability to make a movie. Mm -hmm. So... Essentially, we're living in an age where shooting films is much cheaper, yet mm -hmm. the cost of higher education has inflated by so much. Yeah, film schools, I think in my experience, have turned into caching opportunities for owners of film institutions. 
it's yeah. which is deeply sad. But I, I like how you talk about the internet as form of education because that's interesting. As much as I think you shouldn't go to film school, I also think the internet has got to do a better job at curating their f filmmaking education content. My problem with the internet is curation. It's the fact that there isn't such a thing, I think, as a motivated universal effort to combine legitimate resources. You know, information that is accurate about filmmaking tools, how to shoot, how to do cinematography, screenwriting. I think it's sometimes very difficult to find what you're looking for in terms of filmmaking education. Like, you have so many YouTube channels, you have so many websites, and some of the information, you know, contradicts itself from one website to another. One yeah. website to another, sorry. I think that's the one thing that I would like the internet to improve. It's the curation of free filmmaking education. I'm very happy to have done film school because the content was curated, right? Like it gave me a pretty good idea of how to follow my guts into and making sure that this is technically supported. I think actually you make it like a good point there in terms of the creation of what you can learn online. So when we were talking about No Film School earlier, it has a lot of information for people who perhaps can't afford film school or don't have the geographical access to film school that others yeah. might and don't have that privilege to be able to go. So whilst that's good, I do agree that the internet is so broad and there's so much information that is accessible and it's hard to know what's right and what is wrong. But yeah. I actually wanted to move back to... So even though saying that the internet is a great access to information that you could learn at film school, I want to go back to the idea of film school and how that links to the age-old phrase in the industry that is, it's not what you know, but it's who you know. Mm. So when you go to film school, you, you tend to meet a lot of like-minded people from yeah. all sorts of backgrounds <laughs> and, you know, well, like-minded, you know, in the sense that you're... You're all there for the same reason. And I wondered if you think that there is a privilege in going to film school where you can meet these people and perhaps it will help you get into the industry or help you follow the path that you want to follow and whether that is something that you can't get outside of film school. Well, in my case, funnily enough, I'm very much in touch, or I try to be, with most of my filmmaking peers, but on a friendship level. It's never professional. <laughs> it's just it just happens that because contacts are very dependent on the country you're located in, that it was an international film school, so I had friends from all over the world, and I'm still friends with these guys. But I, you know, I haven't necessarily worked on a lot of projects with them. And you know, yes, the film school was in touch with many filmmakers who had their ties to the filmmaking industry, whether it was in production or post-production or development. But that was very much related to Czech Republic again. And that was very much related to those uh, expatriates bubbles that I talked about of filmmaking. So you have this thing where, yes, I think film school is amazing for connections. And I mean, but it depends again where your film school is located, I believe. But because people are so like-minded within the, the context of film school, you have friendship that lasts for a very long time, and it's bloody wonderful. It's wonderful to know that you have these people around, and that you know that you, you know, like, hell, if I wanted to do something in Portugal, I know that I could contact a friend and say, hey, do you want to make a film together or something? And he would be, yes. And that's the beautiful part of it. In terms of making projects, self-individual projects of your own, yes. When it comes to actual big-time film industry contacts, not so much. Or at least that's my experience. That's... But again, th that was the nature of my film school. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know what would be the case of someone studying at the NFTS. I think I think the the possibility of getting in touch and befriending someone high graded like some kind of hotshot in in the film industry, whether it's pre production, pre production, post production, is more likely if you go to the NFTS. A hundred percent. That's so interesting though, because I well, once I got over the idea I was going to be a professional football player, <laughs> my next thing was film director, but. Coming mm. from the North Midlands of England, <laughs> film school and even studying film at university was not even on my brain. It wasn't an option. I don't know. I wasn't. I guess I wasn't as seriously um, considering a film director. But I would never have even considered studying film at university because I still came to university with the traditional idea of needing to study a, a keystone subject at a Brussels Group University. Yeah. But I'm just thinking like in terms of how people come to wanting to be a filmmaker, mine was not through education, it wouldn't have entered my mind that studying film might make me a better filmmaker than if I studied English literature, or if I went to film school it would make me a better than if I, like it wasn't it, connected to me, with me. It's it's the beautiful part of of film storytelling, it's the fact that there is absolutely no way of knowing how you can get in there it's up to you you have to build your own your own path and and sure it is who you know but interestingly speaking the people that you get to know that give you the opportunity to get into whatever film job you want are the people that you talk to about your passion and how you got into that personally at the end of the day it still remains like what gets you the job is still your soul it's still the way you perceive yourself and your love of filmmaking. Now, that obviously is very romantic as an idea, and it obviously has many problems. Because you you got to understand, like again, I was saying, like I'm I'm very privileged, and I'm a dude. Like there are inequalities as well that we need to address in getting that first film job, or how your own individual identity facilitates getting the right film education and kicking the right door to get into the right film job. It has to be mentioned. Yeah, definitely. We addressed it earlier as well in terms of mm. that plays a big part in the decision of film school or no film school because A, it might not even be a choice and B, if it mm. is, there still could be discrimination that remains within yes. film school. 100%. Again, in film school in Prague, because it was so international, I gotta say, I, I was lucky that we didn't like it. Didn't feel like there would like there was a diversity issue. But my God, definitely, it, it's very funny because just like in every microcosmos, like you you get to realize some things. Like there are definitely issues, and I heard really silly, silly, appalling comments from filmmaking students from from my peers, and I also probably had like presumptions that I thank God for the women students of my course. To tell me off about it and I thought oh my god this accountability this confrontation that's what we need we need to confront and constantly change in such a way that will inform a better way to educate filmmaking but I suppose that's another part of the conversation here we're talking about the quality not only of how filmmaking is taught to you but how filmmaking may make you a better person but that's another philosophical question for another time I think <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is interesting. I think it is very difficult for film schools because they're so focused on such a creative industry that it is difficult to treat it like a traditional education in terms of, you know, widening mm. accessibility. Because at the end of the day, it's 
like in an ideal world, it should be a space that's perfect for everyone to be their peak creativity and yeah. achieve the most out of them. But that's so not symbiotic in my mind with the education system or no. the traditional education system. I know me personally, I don't learn in classrooms. I find it quite difficult. You are right. I'm a very practical person and that in terms of filmmaking, putting that into education doesn't, I don't think it'd be conducive for me, but then that begs the question, like what is the ideal space for film learning, filmmaking learning? Well, do you, do you want my opinion about it? Yeah. Well, I think the greatest space is kind of what we all experienced at PQA. Yeah. Well, I yeah, think like so. Academy, that is. Yeah, like the, the Paul and Quirk Academy. So for the listeners of this podcast, the Paul and Quirk Academy is a wonderful Saturday extracurricular activity school that teaches... Uh, what does it teach, Molly, again? It teaches comedy and drama, film and TV, and musical theatre. Right, here we go. So, <laughs> and I think it's like one of the only extracurricular schools that does this thing of actually filmmaking education for children. Yeah, I think it yeah. is one of the only ones. Yeah, I think, so just for some context for the listeners, all three of us have worked at PQA as teachers, film and TV teachers, and... I think something that's really struck me is I used to go to a similar institution when I was younger, but it was mainly mm. focused around musical theatre. Yeah. And I wish that I could have had the access to something like that, where I could have had a lesson in film and TV every week. Because I think it would have completely, yeah. well, I, it could have made me realise earlier on in my life that doing something towards film and TV is what I wanted to do. I agree. I think it's a really great way for kids to learn about those industries. Yeah, I think it would be also a wonderful way with a little bit of adaptation, I think that system, the Polyquake Academy system, I think that would be an amazing way to teach people of all ages and all backgrounds. Like, it would be wonderful to have a film school that is not every day. You know, it's like a couple days a week. It's free or like dirty cheap. If I was the, the main investor in that, I would want people to not pay. That's very important. You should not pay. I don't know. It does not make sense. To pay for a storytelling education is totally against storytelling itself. Yeah. Like, it's funny I mean, that, like... Yeah, but, like, in yeah. the ideal world, but practicality-wise... Yeah, yeah, in the ideal world, of mm. course, like, in a non-capitalistic world. Yeah, so it would be, like, a film school, like, a couple of days, and, yeah, it would be minimal equipment, but each class would be on, on the topic of filmmaking, and then you can rent the equipment, make your film. You're a team right here, go make a film first. And that's my ideal film school. It's one that rewards initiative, but still has a little bit of structure to allow for a process like what I learned in Prague Film School to be merged within the timeline or the management context of PQA. Yeah, I think I'm one not, another yeah. thing that's also really important in terms of children learning filmmaking is mm. this sort of demystification of Hollywood and the film industry yeah. Yeah, that just absolutely. sort of yeah. works to like declassify it is in the class system but also you know blend boundaries between what is acceptable and not acceptable like just totally break down those barriers so people feel like they can enter the film industry and push forward their own stories and things they think is important yeah not make I it unreachable I think so. I think starting with the idea of filmmaking education groups that enforce that idea, that enforce the idea of, of diversity and that enforce the idea that classism shouldn't be stopping you from telling the story that you want to tell. Yeah, like, well, yeah, I, of course it yeah. can. 
I always feel bad because I think even showing the fact that these things exist on screen is really important. But yeah. that it's a barrier, it, it shouldn't be a barrier in getting to it on screen. Not that I want to dismantle it's one, the whole system. Yeah. It's one yeah. thing to tell a story about the problems caused by classicism. It's another to be stopped from telling that story by classicism. Yeah, definitely. Mm, yes, I completely agree. Oh yeah, classicism. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry. <laughs> we didn't even know that. It's all good. But, <laughs> it sounded great but, to me. I was like, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, Julian. And I think as well, that is the reality of the world right now, let alone just in education and filmmaking, because, you know, even with university, although there is help from the government, it can still hold back students from their full potential and yeah. I think well particularly at the moment in the current context with their A-level grades as well so even like getting into university let alone with the financial side of things completely yeah. agree I don't think it's fair for that to happen and so that demystification process is really important with such a well seemingly star-studded industry that is presented to you particularly as a child. Yeah Absolutely. And it works as well. We saw it work, you know, like, because I'm talking about combining PQN and Prague Film School and not making it like a full week thing. But uh, Wessex Films is a ground that proved to me that you got to keep it cheap. That's where creativity actually bursts. It's where, like, I, I can tell you, like, I can tell you a great example. Guess who, who do you think is... When I was like teaching filmmaking via by being the president of Wessexton, who do you think was my best student? Me. You are very, very good, but <laughs> I, 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 there's another example that popped in my mind. It's Red O'Sullivan. Hey, yeah. Red. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's Red. Red. I hope you're knew, listening, Red. <laughs> <laughs> Red knew nothing. Nothing. He was like, oh my god. Like so bad, like start, <laughs> started knowing nothing, but then he just jumped. He just took a camera, did a short film, and then he was that's not good enough. One more, and the next one was better. And then he said, Okay, that's not enough. Another one, better and better. And that's what you want. You don't want filmmaking education necessarily because you want a job in the film industry, you want filmmaking education because you love storytelling and you want to get better at it because the art of getting better at something defines who you are as a human being simply and red improved so i mean i still have my say about a few things he does but he improved so well <laughs> <laughs> actually i think we should just end on that shade toward the red so that's <laughs> <laughs> but on that bombshell <laughs> No, that's that's super interesting though, and it's I think all of us have of course gone through Southampton with to different degrees of formal education in film, mm. but we've learned probably even more extracurricularly, or at least yeah. I can say that. I think so. About yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But yeah, I think that's a great way to wrap. Thank you so much yeah. for joining us, Julian. Today Not a problem. And giving yeah. us our education in film as we talk about film education. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. I just I was really looking forward to recording this one because I think all three of us have a lot to say around this particular area and I knew that well we've been talking for a while <laughs> so I knew that we wouldn't run out of stuff of to topic. talk about yeah I and I think as well though Julian you have such a unique perspective on this as someone who's gone through sort of the academic formal education of film as well as going to a film school and having two completely different spaces to learn about film and filmmaking and having that perspective is 
just I think something that's so valuable and it's such a I think it's it's such like I was about to say I feel like you're so wise and you have your <laughs> give out your your wisdom to us and it's <laughs> I really really appreciate it because I think it's something not a that... problem it's always enjoyable it's something that is dear to me like yeah. to to enable people to learn this and to make sure that they're not harmed financially or like in any way while learning this it's very important to me I think even if at the end you stop telling stories via films to try your hands at doing it is still a necessary life skill I still think it is it's such a great mirror to life and yeah. I, so by by default it's just good to know how to fabricate that mirror in that sense Oh, I love that. Julian for Prime Minister. Yeah. <laughs> no, yes, I, no I, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I generally hope in the future to be able to finance that kind of film school. That'd I be... so thought you were going to say then, I really want to finance, you know, being Prime Minister. I was like, <laughs> no. oh, well, Julian, you know what? Go no, <laughs> I, can't, I can't be a Prime Minister of England, can I? Like, no, that doesn't work like that. Like I would, I would a hundred percent vote for you. Yeah, me too. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> if if I change the way communities and stuff work in England, that's gonna be a different way. But yeah, it was a pleasure. It was really yeah. nice. Well, yes. thank you so much, Julian. And I hope our listeners have learned more about whether film school is a right or wrong decision, or perhaps some medium in between. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next week.